We've been looking through this uh, series on 1 Peter at uh, the the fact that we are given a new identity in Jesus Christ. And I want to look uh, through this passage uh, at what who Jesus Christ is and what it means that we have a new identity in Jesus Christ. Remember, on this Pentecost Sunday, we, were, we are reminded of the, the Holy Spirit being poured out on God's people and strengthening them to be the church. Now, Jesus said uh, that he would establish his church, and then he told the disciples to wait for the Spirit. So Jesus creates the church, but the Spirit empowers the church. And Jesus said um, in Matthew 16 to the apostle Peter, he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, that's right. And he changed Peter's name to Peter from Simon, and Peter means rock, not a big rock, but a small rock. And he said, and that on this rock, which the word there is a big rock, I will build my church. Andy Stanley in his Go Fish curriculum says that it's likely that when Jesus said on this rock, he's speaking of Peter's proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah. In other words, on the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, the church of Jesus Christ will be built. And that makes sense because the church is the people of God, the people that the Messiah has connected with God. The Messiah is the one who came to the earth. When, when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of God. What he is saying is, you are the sent one. You are the one that God has promised to send to us to then connect us with God and lift us into God's presence. So, Jesus Christ, as the Messiah, is the one who, as we see uh, in our passage here, um, in verse 18, suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And after being made alive, he went. And I will have to address where he went uh, that you know, probably as I read this passage were confused as I was when it says he went to those who were disobedient long ago. And you may say, well, Jim, Pastor Jim, what does that mean? Where did he go? And my answer is uh, a very solid and sure, I don't know. And any commentator who writes about this says, we can speculate, we can wonder, but we don't really know. But I think the point of it is, and it's the same point that we find in verse 22, he has gone to heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Jesus went wherever he went and spoke to whomever he spoke to as one with authority, as one with eternal authority, as one with authority over all beings and made proclamation and then he is at God's right hand with all powers all authorities even the angels in submission to him as Messiah he is in charge as Messiah he is Lord over all things now some people as Christians say, well, I'm connected to the Lord of all things, so people should treat me as if I'm a sub-Lord of all my things. And that is, of course, not a good way to proclaim the gospel. And in this passage, we have a, um, 
a declaration, a, a, a call to proclaim the gospel. In verse 15, uh, Peter says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Unfortunately, uh, the, the way we've witnessed, or maybe just what people assume about us without really knowing what Christianity is, uh, has caused some people to fall away from the faith. A lot of people reject uh, a caricature of the gospel rather than the actual gospel. So it is important when we proclaim the gospel that we proclaim it well and accurately. Uh, some ways that um, people misunderstand the gospel is even going to church. You can go to church for your whole life and not really have this relation, this life-changing relationship with, with Jesus Christ. Uh, the evangelists, I think, ever since the automobile was invented, have said, being in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a car. So we, we have to make sure that we understand what being a Christian truly is. A lot of people think that becoming a Christian means that you will be fixed. You will be made into the person that you've always wished you could be. And I, I have to admit that that's part of what I believed throughout my early years as a Christian, and it has taken a long time of not being as fixed as I want to be, as not being uh, the person, not becoming the person I thought I would be. I remember a group of friends in seminary, we'd say, well, in two years, we're going to have this conquered, or in two years, we're going to have a certain size church or whatever it might be. And we, we thought that being a Christian meant that God would make us into the people we thought we should be. There are some people who spend their entire Christian lives struggling with one thing or another. There are people who, if they believe that God's job is to fix them here and now, are frustrated with God for many, many years, their whole lives, and some turn away because they have been told that the message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ will fix you in this life. But that is not the message that we are given in Scripture. The message we are given in Scripture is that we are made new, and there will come a time in the new heaven and the new earth when all things will be made new, and we will participate in that. But here and now, we are called to struggle. We are called to suffer. And that's one of the themes of First Peter, that the church is struggling, the church is suffering, and that should not surprise us. If we think that God's job is to make everything good for us now, then it will surprise us and discourage us when trouble and hardship come. But the message of the gospel is that you have a relationship with God. You have a relationship, as this passage says, with Jesus Christ, who suffered as well. Because this world is not what it should be, and it will not be made into what it should be until Christ returns. And in the meantime, we will have struggles, as Jesus said. But he said, take heart, I have overcome the world. Ultimately, those struggles will be set aside. Being a Christian is new life. Jesus said it well in John 17, verse 3, This is eternal life, 
that they know you in praying to the Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So eternal life is having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, mediated by the Holy Spirit here and now, and then the promise of that life for all eternity. In John 3, Jesus, in speaking with Nicodemus, says, in order to be born again, in order to be in connection with God, you have to be born again, born of the Spirit, born from above. In other words, you have to have God's Spirit indwell you, and that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. It is not about works. It is not about getting a bunch of things together or yourself together well enough to prove that you are worthy of God's grace. Grace, by definition, is undeserved. And Paul said it in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it is by grace you have been saved, not through... It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The message of the gospel is not good people go to heaven. The message of the gospel is forgiven people have relationship with God that lasts into all eternity. So what is our message then? What is this answer that we have for the hope that is within us as Peter expresses it in verse 15? The message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the connection between humanity and God, and that in him we are connected with God now and forever. And this is by grace. So the message that we proclaim should never be proclaimed without gentleness or respect. Peter says, give the answer but always with gentleness and respect. And when Christians are seen as power-hungry, as Christians are, when Christians are seen as looking out for their rights and making sure they get what they think they deserve, they are not living out the, the call that Peter gives us here and the call that Jesus gives us as we are to go into the world to make disciples because what we are presenting in that is that Christianity is a movement that deserves its place in society. But Christianity is the, is the people of God. And as Jesus tells the disciples in Matthew 16, the gates of hell will not prevail against his people, the people that he creates to be a people because of what he has done for us. So it is not ours to fight for our rights. It is ours job to declare the grace, the mercy, the love of God exhibited in Jesus Christ. That is the message of the gospel. That is the reason for the hope that we have. And it's not super complicated. A lot of times I think we're afraid to share the reason for the hope that is within us because we're afraid of people's judgment or how they'll receive it. Or maybe we don't think we know enough. 
but I'm going to go back to Andy Stanley in the Go Fish Bible study once again. And he goes to John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And he says the gospel can be summarized into four short phrases. For God so loved, God loves the world, that he gave, God gave, his son. That whoever believes, we believe, in him will not perish, but have, have eternal life. God loves, God gave. We believe and we have. And he was tempted because he's a preacher and he went through with his temptation to make it rhyme. God loves, God gave, we believe, we receive. But I think it's weakened a little bit when you do it that way because we when you receive something, and I, it may be true in your house too, you might have received a gift and put it away somewhere and you don't remember you have it. Or maybe it's in that box for re-gifting, but you gotta remember who gave it to you in the first place because that's really awkward when you re-gift something to someone who gave it to you in the first place. But that, that's beside the point. The real point is that we receive, but the real point is we have. That's the wonder of the gospel is that we have because of God's grace. When we believe, we have eternal life. It is assured. It is something that we do not lose. And I, I have to say one other caveat here about the word believe. Uh, again, a lot of people think that being a Christian is a bunch of belief systems and intellectual assent. But I would say it's not just that. Being a Christian is belief, and the word really means much more about trust. The word means, I know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I know that Jesus Christ has brought salvation to humanity. And as I trust in that, then I have eternal life. God loves, God gave, we trust, and therefore we have. This is the message. This is the reason for the hope that we have. And this creates a connection with God, God's grace and God's love that lasts forever. Now, once again, Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. Believers have to be very careful to make sure that we are not so triumphalist. In other words, that we are not saying, well, Jesus won the battle and everything's over now. Or I just, I'm so happy to be in Christ that I don't experience trials. The Bible is full of uh, people who struggle, who struggle in this human existence. And Jesus himself said we would. So it is important that we express the hope that we have in the midst of trials and struggles. If we act like we're, we're above all of that, we have no connection with the people who are trying, who are struggling. A beautiful illustration was shared by uh, Scott Hazy of um, Calvin Seminary, who said uh, it's like the, the little preschooler who is leaving his class after collecting his things and drops the art project that he had made 
and you can hear in the box it falling to pieces. His father comes up to him and says, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it doesn't matter. And the boy continues to cry inconsolably. The mother comes up to the little boy and says, it matters, it really matters, and I'm sorry. We as believers acknowledge that the struggles of this life matter, they hurt. And people who are struggling and hurting need that message. They need to know that Jesus Christ came to redeem the struggles and the hurts. And one day they will be gone. But now we still endure them. And we as believers still endure them. And I'm reminded of the old hymn. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come. Yet this blessed assurance, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Because Jesus Christ has won the battle. Jesus Christ has connected us to God. This is the hope that we have. Let us share that hope with gentleness, with respect, and faithfully. It's interesting that Jesus began his ministry by calling the disciples to be fishers of men. In other words, he established his ministry with his disciples as one in which they would share the message of the gospel. And Jesus ends his earthly ministry before the ascension by giving the great commission, as you go, make disciples of all nations. This is the calling of the church. We are called to give an answer for the hope that we have. We are called to faithfully declare the mercy and grace of God, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and the wonder of God's grace. Let us be faithful to do it. Amen.